This episode of the Talking Smith About Film podcast features language that's a little spicier than usual. And no, it's not from me. It's from kids at the age of 11 years old. It's one of those sort of podcasts this week. Sit back, relax and enjoy. And a very warm welcome to this week's Talking Smith About Film, the new but not quite new audio-based film thing from the idiots who make LeeJackSmith.com possible. My name's Jack Smith. Of course, it's absolutely delight to have you company for another week of film talk, film banter, whatever the hell we end up using for this thing. It's been another relatively quiet week. Obviously, It Chapter 2 comes out uh, this weekend uh, across the world. We're not going to be reviewing that for pretty decent things about it. Uh, there was also a small matter of another Odeon screaming scene on Monday night. Again, I wasn't there. I was busy reviewing something else. But I'm reliably informed Ready or Not is pretty damn good and uh, might be uh, worth looking into when it's out here on September 27th. But we do have a new review for you all for this week. Not the sort of film I would have gone for, and I wasn't originally sold on it at first. But we have reviewed Good Boys, the new Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg-produced comedy vehicle. Is it decent? Well, we'll tell you a little bit later on. But of course, before we go anywhere, you know what we do at this point. We, Of course, we tell you how to get involved with the podcast. Uh, we've got a variety of ways you can do so. But before we go anywhere, of course, in case you need reminding... Uh, the journal returns to the YouTube channel a week on Monday. We are getting so close. A week on Monday, as this podcast goes out, the journal returns. We've got, I've got a bit, it's a fantastic premiere episode. It's uh, a rant many, many, many years in the making. Uh, but yeah, the journal's back a week on Monday, so the content's starting to make its way back in, and we might have some proper exciting news to share about the old radio show in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, we're in, like, early negotiations about a little something. That's all about liberty to say for the time being. But all the admin aside, here is how you can get involved with Talking Smith About Film. It's never been easier to get involved with, with the podcast. You can tweet us using the hashtag TalkingSmithAboutFilm. You can email us using podcast at LeeJackSmith.com. You can get involved on the Twitter and Facebook pages. Just search for LeeJackSmith.com in your platform of choice. And on top of that, you can comment on any of the journals that have gone out on YouTube because we do read the comments. There's a lot of ways you can get involved, so you can join us on the Talking Smith About Film Odyssey. So, admin done. Let's get straight on with this week's main review, because we like short and concise. American comedies have been very hit-miss over the last couple of years. They've generally not translated well to British audiences, and sure, they've become a little bit saturated, audiences getting a little fed up of them. But when you get kids, and when I say kids, proper kids to make a 15 certificate gross-out comedy where the central premise of the film involves red hearing kids as young as 11 swear. 
Uh, you, you taught about it. Of course, for obvious reasons. This is the sort of film we can't review on the Rip Ticket show when we did do it. It's the sort of film we wouldn't have been able to review on the radio show because of what you're about to hear in the trailer. It's one of those sort of films. And yes, we are leaving a bit with Seth Rogen in just for added effect because I personally really like it. Here's the trailer for Good Boys. As you know, I am one of the producers on your movie Good Boys. Anyway, you guys cannot watch the trailer for your own movie. What? Are you serious? Are you kidding? You're too young. But we've seen your movies, like super bad. You saw that movie? It has not aged well. Guess you filmed it before black people existed, huh? I'm from Canada. We've also seen Sausage Party. You saw Sausage Party? You made a cartoon. That's on you, dude. Did you like it? Eh, it was okay. I fell asleep. Well, you know what? I was going to make some calls and see what I could do, but now... Fuck y'all. We're in sixth grade now. We need to start doing sixth grade things. I know what cocaine is. Annabelle, get the fuck out of here! Be back, boys only, you little shit! Annabelle's been watching Dateline. She now knows what cocaine is. Hi. Let me be a beanbag boy. I'll grow a tiny penis like Thor's. Party. There's gonna be girls there, you know what that means? Drama. No, kissing. I'm out. I'm guessing you're not the popular kids in school. You do not want to go to Soren's party not knowing how to kiss. Hey, Stranger Things, go fuck yourself! I have an idea. Type kissing. Are you 18 or older? Mm. Oh. Yeah. How many husbands does she have? <laughs> The guy didn't even know how to kiss. He was just licking that woman's asshole. You want to kiss an asshole, Max? No. You can spy on my neighbor. She's a total nymphomaniac. She starts fires? No, she's a nymphomaniac. Someone who has sex on land and sea. This is how we get the drone back. You took my bag. Don't get any closer. Oh my God, there's Molly in there. You had us bring drugs to a fucking playground? We need to get rid of the drugs. We can throw it in the forest. It's a sex drug. What if a fox eats it and tries to fuck a squirrel? It'll kill him. If we don't get to that party, I'll die. I'm fine. I'll just live here. You guys are little badasses. Stop treating us like kids. We're tweens. We know how things work. An indoor swing? Doing. That swing is for sexing. People do sex on it. We still don't know how to kiss. Your parents have a CPR doll. We can practice kissing on that. Stop! You should never kiss someone without their permission. May I kiss you? What do you like about me? You're sweet. You smell good. You're really pretty. You know, in all honesty, there's only one kind of, of good boys I'll talk to, and that's my best friend. Thank you. It was only a matter of time before I had to make a joke like that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can, you can tell this podcast is more to popular view you than anything else. Uh, but to give you a basic premise of what Good Boys the film uh, is all about, 
three sixth grade boys ditch school, and sixth grade is sort of like equivalent to year seven here in England, so quite a mixed period. Uh, they ditch school and embark on an epic journey while carrying accidentally stolen drugs. Uh, they get hunted by teenage girls, and they try to make their way home in time for a long-awaited party. I'm glad high school wasn't as full-on as this. And the whole being chased by teenage girls thing... That never happened in England. We do have a clip. I've not... At the time of recording, I've not picked the clip yet. Uh, But I'm just going to set it up anyway. Here's a clip. I need to get rid of these drugs. What are you doing? Getting rid of the drugs. I'm just going to throw them in the stream. It can contaminate the water. Well, then we can throw it in the forest. It's a sex drug. What if a fox eats it and tries to fuck a squirrel? It'll kill him. Well, then how do we get rid of drugs? The same way we get rid of a baby. Abortion? No! So, as you can probably tell, it's one of those sort of films. In comedy, you just have to understand that the secret is indeed in the timing. Come on, I had to do that one. Uh, Especially when you're making a film about three, sixth grade, sorry, year seven students uh, getting a footing life and growing up. It's a style of comedy that has been done to death. And there have been other films this year that have handled that sort of element of life very well. Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade uh, was another film that stylistically was very similar. We might actually pipe the review from that on Rip Ticket into this podcast uh, just for, just to make it a little bit easier for you guys to understand. But it was only a matter of time before Point Grey, which is the production company of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, made a film about this pivotal time in life. And while it isn't great, it's not bad either. It does suffer the usual issues that this sort of comedy face. Now, this is a fantastic name. Gene Stupnitsky. Yes, really. Uh, he's the man in charge on this latest Rogan Goldberg production. Uh, it's his directorial debut. Uh, it He does a pretty decent job on this film. It's 1 hour 29, so perfect length, you can argue. Uh, he paces it really well. It's one of the better-paced comedies I've seen uh, this year. And bearing in mind that, well, yeah, one of the best best paced comedy I've seen for a while because they generally feel cliche paint by numbers and this sort of film has also been kind of underwhelming so it just feels refreshing to see something a little bit better and he's co-written a script with Lee Eisenberg who apparently co-directed the film but because of some stupid Directors Guild of America ruling uh, Stupnitsky gets sole directorial credit uh, it does, this script, it does pass the sixth laugh test because of the unique nature of the film's comedic moments. We've all been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. But the novelty of hearing these kids swear and say 66 counts of the F-bomb. Yes, someone was counting. Hearing them say the F-bomb 66 times in a film, if the novelty wears off after the first 20 minutes... Uh, it's shot well by Jonathan Fermansky. Lyle Workman, the guy who did the music for Superbad, uh, comes back on to work on this film. He does a... Uh, it's a Ron Seal job. It does what it says on the tin. Oh, it's good to make that joke on a podcast. Can't, couldn't do that on the radio show. Uh, but technically, there isn't much I can sort of rip into this film. It, it, it's decent enough for what it's trying to do. 
But with a cast, it's a mixed bag. Because, of course, a lot of British audiences might not have heard of a lot of the cast members. They have heard of one of them. Because he won over the world working with Brie Larson on 2015's surprise award hit that was room. Jacob Tromley is leading this film. And, as usual, he, uh, he kills it. He absolutely kills it. He, makes, uh, he does a good job of the material he's been given. Uh, supporting him is Keith L. Williams and Brady Moon, sort of making up the free lads of the Beanbag Boys. Uh, sort of, you can tell this film about male friendship more than anything else, something that uh, other films have kind of struggled to get right. Uh, and there's a whole... I'm trying not to word this not to spoil too much, but there is a whole line about how to respect women. and This is, this is generally... This is kind of like the pre-pubescent American pie but in the Me Too age. That's the best way I can describe the sort of film we've got here. But this this group of lads, they are a great pairing, and they make the film come alive, but the rest of the cast, there are only two names we have really heard of on this cast. Molly Gordon, who I've not really seen much of, and Stephen Merchant, who directed one of this, one of this year's strongest films in the form of Fighting With My Family, the, uh, the film about uh, WWE Wrestler Page. Uh, these three lads uh, are, are arguably the glue that hold this film together. But the rest of the cast, they just need a little bit more character development. I couldn't really identify much of the characters. We spend the whole film with these lads. And, yeah, they make jokes about the rites of passage of growing up. The whole party thing is the fact that they've got to go going to this kissing party. It's a film that doesn't do things by half but does struggle in its execution a little bit. And like I say, it did, pa- did pass the six-scaff test. And yes, it is a typical gross comedy, but considering the output we've had over the last couple of weeks, which has just been Disney, 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 Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw, more Lion King, more Lion King, and a uh, few other holdovers from the summer. Uh, this is... The, the palate cleanser we need. This is this is a film you should go into and not take it seriously. It's best enjoyed with friends, because I've brought a friend of mine along uh, to watch it. They know who they are. We're supposed to be out with comps on it. Oi, oi. Uh, but it does feel like a palate cleanser we need. And the friend I went with, she enjoyed it. And uh, she legit whispered moments... I mean, let's just say she's from Newcastle, from the home of the WTF moment. So there was quite a few of them. Um, The Good Boys is a decent enough film for what it's trying to be. Arguably, like I say, it's not designed to be taken seriously. This is a comedy. At times, it does feel a little unrealistic and the humour a little forced. And that's before we mention the usual humour translation issues of sorts that these films typically have. Best enjoy with friends, maybe with a few alcoholic beverages if, of your choice, or if you want to rip into a good cup of Earl Grey with the staff discount. It's a long story. Uh, but this is the best scenario for everyone. Good boys. Uh, the, the rating depends. If you don't really care about this sort of comedy, wait for the DVD. But if you want to get a group of friends in... And if you want to take advantage of some kind of offerings that uh, cinemas do, it's worth a watch. This is one of the few times that the rating system that we 
pad on a radio show doesn't really work. But what I can say is that this film got a three and a half star review. And that I think that tells you a lot about the sort of film we've got here. It's not the strongest comedy in the world, but it does a good job for what it is trying to do. And that's the important thing with Freshers coming up. Will this film continue to get an audience? It's been out since August 16th. Will this film continue to get an audience? I don't know. But we shall have to wait and see. Of course, we'll tell you where this film has charted in this week's box office a little bit later on. Uh, we'll be back in a little minute with this week's film news rundown. This year, LeeJackSmith.com is born independent. We're not shackled to any cinema chain anymore. All we will focus on are the films you watch and whether they're good or not. We're even going to have some unique collaborations along the way too, whether it's with film production students, film production lecturers, cinema staff, or even friends of mine who are into the world of big screen entertainment. Over the next 12 months, we are going to cover every aspect of the film industry imaginable. So, you'll want to strap yourself in for the ride. LeeJackSmith.com, the home of short and concise film reviews. And a lot more since June 2013. Well, it has been a very slow news week in the film industry. There hasn't really been many stories to note, but we've sifted through the best and the worst uh, of the film world in the last seven days just so you guys actually have a film news rundown. Get the music on, let's, let's do this properly. So it's been a good week for insane news. Uh, we've got the fact that Ben Wheatley, the man behind High Rise, Free Fire and a lot of other independent British art house films, is going to be directing a second Tomb Raider film. I mean, sure, his wife is writing the screenplay for it. Amy Jump is going to be sort of helming the script. But he, this is probably the most insane bit of directorial news I've heard for a while. It, it, it doesn't feel like the right fit. It really doesn't feel like the right fit. But if things like, uh, also might not feel like the right fit, Peter Capaldi uh, is rumoured to have joined the cast for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Yes, Malcolm Tucker, with all his swearing, is going to be in a new Suicide Squad film. What else can I say, really? If, if he gets to keep his Scottish accent in it, I will be so happy indeed. We also have the new trailer for Taika Waititi's new film, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, an anti-hate satire, it's been called. I, I watched it yesterday and I, I want to see this film. I want to see this film so badly. It's just whether cinema chains are going to take a chance on a film like that. Especially knowing the sort of thing that this film's about. Waititi is going to play an imaginary version of Hitler. So a friend, imaginary friend of a boy but takes the form of Hitler. It's it's a weird plot, but it's Taika Waititi. What do you expect? In film, but not actually film news, uh, Amazon have announced that Will Poulter has been cast in a big new Lord of the Rings series. Great to see him continuing to do some incredible work. He's uh, He won the Rising Star Award at BAFTAs a few years back. He's had a hell of a career since then. So to be cast as a lead in the new Lord of the Rings films that aren't actually films but more TV series. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy for him. 
we should continue going on this upwards trajectory. And in other streaming news, we now know a bit more about John Favreau's Mandalorian. It will be hitting Disney Plus on November 12th on launch day. We now know it will be digging into the origins of the First Order, so more backstory for the new films, I suppose. And in exhibition news, well, the recliners, they keep on a-coming. View have finally put their recliner rollout back on. Plymouth are being converted as I speak. It's good to see more cinemas go down the luxury seating proposition because it's a real moneymaker, part of the capacity, triple the revenue. If it worked for Preston, then it can work anywhere. And that is your film news rundown. Now, last week we kind of talked about the Emoji movie in a full rant form, and I mentioned the fact that Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, did that kind of plot a little bit better. And obviously with Disney Plus looming large on the streaming landscape, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to actually play out some vintage ripped ticket show goodness. Now... I legitimately have to go back through my own archive because we're in the midst of planning for uh, for journal at the minute, so there's a lot of uh, things I've uh, not up to date with. So I'm just trying to find out when exactly did we review uh, Racket Ralph two on the show? Oh yeah. Oh, it was a good show that week. Uh, from our December 7th edition of Grip Ticket Show on Pulse Radio, which where well, we also reviewed Creed 2, Sorry to Love You, and Robert Redford's final film, The Old Man and the Gun. Here is a classic review from the archives of Ralph Breaks the Internet. Coming to you live on a Friday... It's time for the Rip Ticket Show, your guide to what deserves an Oscar win and what you'll find in the bargain bin. Hey, kid! Wake up! Ralph, what is wrong with you? Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off! Ralph, what is it you're trying to say? We're going on the internet. What can I help you find today? Um, Umbrella. Umbridge. Umami. No. Noah's Ark. No doubt. Nordstrom Rack. Ergonomics. Urban Outfitters. Urko. I'm pretty sure he's just trying to guess what you're going to say. My autofill is a touch aggressive today. Let me try. Take me to a website that's super intense and really nuts. Oh, I only found one result. Oh, come on. Princesses and cartoon characters barf. Hey. Whoa! Oh. You're coming with us, kid. <gasps> Hi. Whoa. whoa, whoa, ladies, I'm a princess too. What kind of 
diva princess are you? Uh, do you have magic hair? No. Magic hands? No. Do animals talk to you? No. Were you poisoned? No. Cursed? No. Kidnapped or enslaved? No. Are you guys okay? Should I call the police? Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big strong man showed up? Yes. What is up with that? She, She is, is a princess. princess. <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. Shouldn't it be Ralph wrecks the internet? Yes,、yeah, since he is wreck it, Ralph. Uh, yeah, but break the internet—it's like a thing, right? It's just wreck the internet. Kind of sounds better, doesn't it?、Mm, you're not wrong. <laughs> And he's not wrong, indeed. This film literally did break the internet when the trailer came out quite a few months ago. To give you a kind of summary of what the film's about, this is set six years after the events of the original Wreck-It Ralph film. Same arcade, same characters. You know the deal. Ralph and Vanellope、um, still pretty close friends,、um, and then all of a sudden they try and investigate the world of the Sugar Rush driving game that Vanellope lives in a little bit more. The steering wheel breaks, and the arcade owner has to turn to, to eBay to get a replacement part, and that leads to installation of the Wi-Fi in the arcade.、Um, so these two characters they go into this Wi-Fi connection and explore this whole new world. That let's be honest, Sony tried to do this film with the Emoji Movie, which was one of the worst films ever made. But This is a film that just gets it right. We're going to go into the review in a minute. We do have a clip from the film. Obviously, I'm having a couple of technical issues to play out. So I'm not doing the show for a week. Kind of has its downsides.、Uh, but we do have a clip from the film.、Uh, I can't remember what clip we've got,、uh, but I think this is one.、Uh, seeing that you just heard in, in the trailer, here's a clip. I'm sure that someone out here could give us directions. Oh. Look at that little egg guy. He's got on one of those hats that smart people wear. I bet he could help us. Come on. Oh, hello, sir. Interesting. You don't seem to have a search history. Well, let's start one for you. What can Nosemore help you find today? Um, Umbrella, Umbridge, Umami. No. Noah's Ark, no doubt. Nordstrom Rack. Ergonomics, Urban Outfitters, Urkel. Looks like no one put Humpty Dumpty together again. This guy's a little soft boiled. I'm pretty sure he's just trying to guess what you're gonna say. Yes, I'm sorry, but my autofill is a touch aggressive today. Let me try. <clears throat> eBay Sugar Rush steering wheel. <laughs> oh, I only found one result for your query. Hmm, isn't that interesting? What? How did you? Ah, the internet's very intuitive. Thank you, Mr. Nosemore. Well, you're welcome. So you can probably guess Nosemore is kind of a parody of Google, of a search engine available, of course.、Uh, this is a film I got quite a bit of enjoyment out of. It is the same team who brought the original Wreck-It Ralph to screen.、Uh, Rich Moore is in charge. He's got Phil Johnston working with him this time round, and they are able to create this very uniquely paced film. They have. Managed to create a one-hour, fifty-two-minute piece of filmmaking. There's no short film like there usually is on Disney on the Disney output、uh, for this one. But it's a one-hour, fifty-two-minute film that has things going on for age, audiences young and old. You got internet jokes for for the young. You got arcade jokes for the old. You've got memes. You've got all these jokes about pop-ups. It's a really, really innovative script in terms of what it's trying to execute. And it, it, you can just understand that Johnston and Pamela Ribbon, obviously, they did their research before writing a script. It's, it's, it's obvious that Disney know what they're doing. That's something Sony didn't really focus on with the Emoji Movie that much. And 
go to Kreisky's narrative that yes it might be just a carbon copy of the original Wreck-It Ralph film we're going into another racing game called Source Race or they meet all sorts of other characters and you've got these character motivations going on like, this is a film arguably more about character development than anything else Fans of the first one are going to get a fair bit of enjoyment out of this, especially you've got the cast as back as well. You've got John C. Riley back as Wreck-It Ralph himself. You've got Sarah Silverman back as Vanellope. You've also got uh, Gal Gadot joining the cast as a character called Shank. Again, I can't really reveal too much about her character because that would spoil bits of the film. Uh, related to the final act. You've got Alan Tudyk as Nose Moore, Alfred Molina, Jane Lynch back as Calhoun and uh, Jack McBrayer back as Felix. This is a film that really just delivers on every level. The animation is fantastic. I can't stress that enough. The animation is just beautiful. You you can't go wrong with Walt Disney Pictures animation. They know exactly what they're doing. you got Henry Jackman delivering another great score and just oh, I, I can I can just drool about this film for days, but I can't because we've got that much to get through today. Um, but yeah, the cast are good. You've also got internet personalities as well, and this is one of the things that makes this film really come alive. You've got Glozel Green popping up, who infamously did one of those um, challenges on the internet. I can't remember which one for the life of me. You've got Colleen Ballinger, better known as Miranda Sings, popping up as a character. A friend of mine was very surprised about that, believe it or not. Uh, Taraj P. Henson is one of the new characters as well. Again, I can easily go crazy over this film. There is a lot going on with it. There is a lot to love about it. The narrative is perfect. Yes, the pacing... Well, yeah, it's a little bit predictable. I can say that. It's a little bit predictable at points. Especially going into the final act. You just know that this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but... This film isn't made for the critic. This is film. This is a film made for the families, and like I say, families will love this film. What some people won't love is the little teaser right at the very end. Stay right to the end of the credits, people. That post-credit scene. I didn't think they'd tease that film this early, and especially with a song that I can't get out of my head afterwards. To say what it's teasing and what this post-credit scene is would spoil the surprise. So seriously, if you are seeing this film with your kids, stay right to the end. It's meme-worthy. But Ralph breaks the internet. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot. Goes a scene with every Disney princess ever. Need I say any more? This film just delivers on the hype. It is... One of those rare films that just manages to deliver upon the expectations of a sequel. I I had so much fun watching this last Friday, and I was sat there in my seat lo- looking at all of this going on, like, yep, I have a feeling I'm going to be waxing lyrical about this on the show next week. Um, the second film is better than the first. Words I do not say that often at all. It's one of Disney as animation's finest work of the last couple of years. It's up there with Frozen as one of their finest works. And you can understand Jennifer Lee's heading the, high, the entire studio now, so you can easily expect all of their films to be of the same quality going forward. Uh, and considering the niche nature of the narrative as well, this is a film about the internet, and some, that's something you do not get to see done right in film often. We, the Emoji Movie tried. And yes, I know it's kind of wrong to compare this film to the Emoji movie, given that they're two separate studios, with two very different qualities of films. 
But this is a film that got it right. Obviously, a lot of people thought when they saw the trailer, oh, yeah, so this is Moji 2.0. It isn't. This is a film that just gets every aspect right. I honestly did not expect to enjoy the film as much as I did, and I, I can say that about some of, the, some of the other films we've got this week. There is a lot going on in the industry right now, and this is a film that, quite rightly, is the brand new UK box office number one, and for very, very good reason. But of course, here on the Rip Ticket Show, we've got to rate this film. If you haven't listened to the show before, and if, well, if, 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 if it's your first time listening, we don't use star ratings on this programme. We use our own little scale, which is masterpiece, should be watched, worth a watch, not worth watching, wait for the DVD. So I can, ho- I can honestly say that Wreck-It Ralph, it's a should-be-watched film. It is a film that just gets every little aspect of a family animation film right. It's not too formulaic. It doesn't rely too much on the cliches of the past. But at the same time, it also is very self-referential. There are jokes in there. When, during the Disney Princess scenes, jokes about, oh yeah, she's a little bit moody. She's from the rival studio. That's, I, I love self-referential films like that. And obviously, um, I, oh, I can't talk about that film yet because I'm saving it for next week. Uh, but I, there is a lot of self-referential films on the market right now, especially ones previewing this weekend. Uh, but Ralph Breaks the Internet was just really, really enjoyable. I know some people might have issue with it. Some people will really enjoy it. But I personally was like, yes, this is how you do a film. This is how you make an animated film work. This is how you just r- deliver upon the hype. So yes, really, 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 really solid film. Cannot recommend it enough. And if you want to hear more of that sort of thing, because we did... Rip Ticket is arguably the reason why this podcast exists. If you want to hear more of that sort of thing, head over to leejacksmith.com forward slash radio to listen to all of last year's shows on demand. And you might want to stay tuned to that page. Because me and the boys at Pulse, a very good friend, Dan Carver, who's the vice president media, we are in... Because I am going back it back... I'm going back to UCLan for a Masters soon, you know. We are in talks about potentially taking Rip Ticket on for another two years. That's all I'll say. But if you want to hear more of that sort of thing, a proper radio show with music and a good little archive of uh, how this podcast has evolved, uh, Rip Ticket is where it all began. We'll be back with this week's UK and Ireland box office results very shortly. Looking for something a little more... Visual. Well, we've got you covered. The Journal is our flagship YouTube series taking a unique look into the industry from the eyes of a critic. We've got episodes on basically everything, from how to get into the industry, how cinema industries work nowadays, and we're even documenting the cinemas that inspired our Born Independent campaign. Head to leejacksmith.com forward slash YouTube to watch every episode back to back. And here we are. It is that fantastic time of week again where we look at what what you customers have been funding next in terms of raw film output. It is box office time at last. And of course, the boys at Comscore come through again with the top 15 uh, to give you a look into sort of how the outside of the top 10 is looking. Spider-Man Far From Home is at 15th place this week. It's done well to last 10 weeks. It did 
205 grand uh, over the last session. So it's going to be leaving UK cinemas with a nice haul of 36.5 million. It's a shame to see the Spider Man character ban out of the MCU potentially. Uh, but. It did good business for Sony. It's just a shame they couldn't agree to the new uh, the new deal. Our 14th place this week is Krog, and I imagine Paramount aren't too happy about how this one has performed. Second week in its uh, UK run now, it was looking to make 225,000. It's uh, only just broken over a million. So Paramount should be a little worried about how this film has been performing. 13th place this week. It's Pain and Glory, Almodovar's new film. Uh, I'm surprised it's uh, hanging around as well the top 15, top 20, considering it's not playing at many sites. It's a foreign film, so obviously not many, not as much appeal there. It brought in 241,000. It's up to 820 grand over its lifetime now. So for for a film of this nature, it's it's doing okay. At 12th is a new entry. Uh, and it's kind of local, considering where I'm based. Uh, it's Timmy Spool's new one, Mrs. Larry and Son, Vanessa Redgrave's in it. I've seen bits of it on the digital posters at my local multiplex, and obviously premiered in Salford for obvious reasons. Uh, it opened to a done, nice and round quarter of a million opening weekend. For a, for a film like that, it hasn't had much PR. I can understand why it charted uh, as, as low as it has. And then to round out that top ten... Uh, Angry Birds Movie 2, uh, five weeks into its run now, did 260 grand this week, it's up to 4.6 million. I imagine that film's going to drop out a fair bit now that the summer holidays are done. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know what to say about Angry Birds 2. Uh, the first one was okay, but nothing really that special. But... This second one, obviously, it is the highest-rated video game movie on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm glad that it's done as well as it has. So, do we have a new UK box office number one? Or has Angel Has Fallen redeemed itself and held on for another week? As Wild Cherry once said... Because it's top ten time. At 10th this week is The Informer, an adaptation of a Swedish crime novel, which I've never heard of. New entry, it did 301,000 uh, in its opening week, which is pretty good, pretty good for Warner. At 9, you've just heard a review for it, it's good boys. It's been lucky to hang around as long as it has. Three weeks into its run, it did 307,968 quid. It's up to a nice 5.3 million. Uh, so obviously Universal are banking on that freshest traffic to sort of keep it in the top 10. At 8, it's up on last week. Secret Cinema continue their run on Casino Royale. I don't think there's much left in it, but it did 340 grand to bring it up to 6.5 million. It's coming to China soon, so I can't argue with that. At 7, is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Two weeks into its run, 484,000 made. E1... They won't really argue with that figure at all. At six, it's dropping down pretty quick. Is Toy Story 4. 577,000 made. It's doing okay. 63.8 million banked. It's one of the biggest films of the year so far. At five, is Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Five weeks into its run now. 810,000 made. This week, it's bringing it up to. It's coming on 20 mil, so Universal are good. At four, it's Dora and the Lost City of Gold. I might actually be seeing this one soon. 
£622,000 made this week and it's doing pretty good. At three is Angel Has Fallen and at two is the Lion King, which means that Tarantino has only gone and done it. It's officially his highest grossing film in the UK. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has returned to the UK and Ireland box office throne once again. What a victory for intelligent cinema. And if you want to know the, the raw figures, Angel Has Fallen did 1.1 million. Lion King did 1.2 million and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did 1.8 million. So it really was a tight box office session this week. Obviously, next week's going to be a little bit more interesting because all of the schools are now back. So I imagine this will be the last week we see Dora in that top 10. It will sort of start to look a little bit more award seasony and... Obviously, next Friday is when Downton Abbey opens here in the UK. So, can't really argue that much with it at all. But yes, that is this week's UK box office done and out of the way. And that is also this week's Talking Smith About Film completed. I know, a little bit shorter than usual this week, but we're still running at a good 40 minutes, which is which is what we want, considering I'm kind of training up for my radio return right now. Uh, so, next week... I have absolutely no idea what's going to be on this this podcast. We might be going a little bit more into the archive. We might do a bit of Netflix. I don't know. You'll have to stay tuned and listen in next week for all of the latest. As for social media, you, well, you know where to find me. Twitter at Lee Jack Smith. Search for LeeJackSmith.com on Facebook. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube channel uh, ahead of the relaunch of the journal uh, on September 16th. There's a lot of content coming in. Uh, and, of course, uh, you'll want to... Keep your eyes peeled on all the Rip Ticket Show social media pages as well, because, like I say, we are we are in negotiations right now about a little something related to that programme. So, with all of that done, and not having to worry about a big discussion topic at all, my name's been Jack Smith. You've heard me talk Smith about film for way too long, and until next week, we'll see you at the movies. Now, Point Grey is the production company of Seth Rogen and Evan Greenberg. Evan, Evan Greenberg? I think I've spent too much time with Ed lately. <laughs>